0: Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at
1: www.indigopodcast.com. All right, so today we're going to talk about networking love it or leave it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So we're going to talk about what networking is. We're going to talk about some forms that it takes. Uh, We're going to talk about some of the research on networking, because (laughs) like many other topics in organizations and in life, there's actual social science around these types of of topics and some of the outcomes of networking. And then we're going to talk about some practical steps for enhancing your career, your current job. And, you know, we're also going to throw in there just a final note about networking during COVID. And, uh, you know, I think this topic in general is an important one and an interesting one uh, as people think about their careers and their lives and who they know, those types of, of topics. But it's also probably increasingly important right now and difficult to navigate for people who are thinking about their careers and their jobs when that's a difficult situation for so many people. Yeah,
1: I mean, so... Some of the data shows that just the word networking leaves people feeling dirty. <sighs> and yeah. and there's this idea of like, you know, some people are super, you know, pro advance their career. They have no problem. Like, hey, man, help me out. I'm trying to get to X place. And then other people just ugh, mm-hmm. they can't. They can't handle it, and I and you know I think that's just because of maybe some conceptions around, you know,
0: networking. Right, right. So you know, if we start talking a little bit about what networking is and some forms that it takes, uh, you know, what are some of your experiences with with networking? Are you in the camp of uh, people who throw up a little bit in your mouth when you hear the word? Uh... I hate that phrase. <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> well, let, let's see. Well, you know, people say, that a little.
1: <laughs> people would say, "Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to network." And I mean, that's, I always, yeah, you know, probably a first definition was, "Ah, uh, this is where I get, I try to convince people I barely know to do something for me." <laughs> Hey, you know, I, I know we just met at this, you know, happy hour mixer, but could you like get me a job that pays me 20 grand more
0: (laughs) (laughs) or, or some, you know, smaller variation thereof, right. And, or, or just trying to meet as many people as you can and hand them your business card. You know, I was at a professional conference once and we were a bunch of us got into an elevator and we were going up a few floors and um, you know, after a floor or two, the elevator stopped and the doors opened and no one got off the elevator, but one young person got on the elevator. And we can all, we're all part of the conference. Like, everyone can tell that because we're all wearing the name badges, right? Hanging around our necks. You're looking like conference weenies. Yeah, yeah we're looking like conference <laughs> weenies. And, uh, but this, this young man who came onto the elevator, so the doors close, and then we go up another flo- uh, floor or two and they open again, and he is about to get off. But before he gets off, he like turns suddenly to everyone else in the elevator and just kind of like hands us all his business card. And then like runs away. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) then the doors close and the rest of us just kind of look at each other. And we're like, well, I guess that's, that's one way to do it. I don't know. Um, But it kind of speaks to this idea of, you know, is networking just kind of getting people to know you? Is it just handing everybody your business card? I mean, and, and I empathize for that person, um, who doesn't really know how to do this, who feels awkward. And is like, well, I guess, you know, I, I need to meet people and, uh, you know, my career needs to go somewhere different. And I'm, I'm, I'm told that networking is important and that it's not what you know, it's who, you know, and those types of things.
1: Yeah. You know, I went to this event called networking after work and I, and I've seen this business model. Yeah. They're pretty common. And okay. So I'm like, Cool. Other professionals, this could be neat. And, you know, some craft cocktails, also good. So Mm. you go down, and I guess you pay your five bucks or whatever to get in. And, and that's just a giant, you know, cesspool of people, which was kind of cool. Actually, I think it was more cool if you're single (laughs) to go. It's like you come here for networking, find a spouse or something. But, um, (laughs) <laughs> but really it was just, you know, that's a way for somebody to make a money make some money. Oh, we're by hosting these events. But mm. there's not actually a targeted something. And that could be okay, especially if you're a young professional meeting other professionals and in other industries. It can be, you know, when you're in the sludge trudge of it, it can be hard to make those cross-functional, cross-industry connections as you start to build your portfolio. So you you could do some of that, but you know, a lot of that's kind of for
0: suckers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think it's, it kind of speaks to the conception that networking is a, um, a short-term thing, right? That you can, you know, go meet some people and then stuff's going to happen and it's all going to kind of happen rapidly. And maybe that happens sometimes. Uh, and, and there's probably some examples of it happening that way, but, my experience, and I think uh, some of the research would suggest that, you know, it's it's much more of a, a long-term thing, and um, I've found that informal networking through professional organizations can be really great, and it's much more natural, it's less forced, and it actually can lead to some good outcomes. So, you know, going back to my own experiences, um, you know, when I think about, for example, uh, professional organizations that I'm a part of. You know, one of them, you know, the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychology, um, which is actually the conference where that <laughs> that guy came into the elevator and handed everybody his business card, and ran away. Uh, same conference. You know, that's a conference I've been going to, um, with a couple exceptions. Um, I've gone every year since 2008, um, and you know that that conference is is one in which it's oftentimes a time for you to reconnect with old colleagues, um, not just old in age, but former colleagues, people who you maybe went to graduate school with or um, were your professors in graduate school. Maybe you worked with them in a previous organization and you're just kind of walking around. It's like, hey, you know, great to see you. And you see those people. And, but then... Didn't didn't you, when you were... Still in grad school, didn't wouldn't you guys like slum twenty to a hotel room or something? <laughs> I don't think we did twenty, but we did <laughs> did have, I think, six or more once in a hotel room and a bunch I mean, a bunch of dudes in this hotel room. and I mean, there were some snorers there. um fortunately classic
1: I, grad school. I moves. know I know yes. I, I,
0: I had the uh, the presence of mind, I think, to to bring some earplugs with me, um and that was helpful. But yes, uh, we did because we were all broke. Um, but what's been really (laughs) cool is that, you know, as the years have gone on, not only do you reconnect with some of your former colleagues and so forth and friends, you know, and so forth, but you also kind of start to broaden your network because you meet their new friends and it's like, Oh, Hey, this is so-and-so who I work with. And, and then your, your circle starts to widen and this is not kind of the, the, you know, quick way to do this, um, in terms of getting, you know, broadening your network, but over time. It starts to amass, right? And then after the conference, maybe you connect with that person on LinkedIn. Maybe you uh, you know work on a project with them or something. Like these things kind of happen over time. and it, and that that's been a really wonderful thing to see. Um, so, and we'll talk more about kind of some practical tips here later, but uh, that's been my experience. You know, I am naturally somewhat introverted. Um, most people don't really realize that about me, especially my students because I, I tend to be a little bit theatrical in class. But uh, I, I, you know, after class, I like to go and be by myself for a while and, and be with my own thoughts so that I can reconnect with <laughs> with reality. Um, <laughs> D de- de- ick after being forced socialization. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, even during these conferences, sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, I need to go back to my room and just kind of be alone or whatever for a while. So um, and I'm know. the complete opposite of that. I, I, yeah. I go from one group
1: of people to another. People bring me alive. Um, I And I, lo- I love that. You know, one thing that I think one group of people that does this really well is the tech, mm. the tech community. They have user groups and um, a different, you know, stuff around. You know, if you're a Java developer, they'll have the Java developers user group. Normally, it's a recruiting agency that'll host, give them some space because they kind of want to in. They want to network with the talent um that develops so if you're a software developer or coder or something like that they have these groups that'll meet once a month, once a week, whatever and you go and more senior developers will like present on a topic or show mm-hmm. somebody some code if That's you're cool. new you can learn something and this is what's great about this kind of format it's not about oh, hey, man, do you got to know any jobs? You know, it's none of that. It's like, hey, let's learn this cool skill together and mm. find out how we are as people. And that just a natural outcropping of meaningful relationships over shared tasks,
0: right? Right, right. That, that's great. Uh, you know, so before we go any uh, further in this episode, I think we should probably more formally define networking. We've talked kind of about our own experiences and I'm sure everyone has their own knee-jerk reaction right. to the word uh some people may be like networks networking is awesome other people may be more along the lines of um you know throwing up in their mouth a little bit when they hear it but uh, regardless saying that phrase <laughs> gross <laughs> well you're the one who says <laughs> that. that's what I ha- I'm just trying to be accurate here all right so, um so let's let's look at the literature a little bit and God. <laughs> <laughs> and this is something that won't make you vomit, I don't think. Um, no
1: more vomit! <laughs> no more, I, I give up. I give up. Take my wallet and my keys.
0: <laughs> um, so this is a, a study that came out in 2009, which, you know, that was 11 years ago as of this recording, but that's, that, that's still good stuff. Um, and this was this was in the Journal of Applied Psychology. And this is an article authored by two researchers out of Germany, uh, Hans George Wolf and Klaus Mosher, and it's called the uh, Effects of Networking on Career Success: a Longitudinal study and so you know for our listeners who are perhaps not as familiar with these types of um, this type of research, longitudinal means it's studied over time, um, which is important because when you're looking at something like career success and networking it's it's hard if you're not studying it over time to have a sense of what, what direction the causality goes, right? Because if you just did a survey and said, how much do you network? You know, what, how, how good is your career, right? I don't know. What counts as
1: networking? Well, you know, well I mean, kind of...
0: even even if it's well-defined, right? And what well, the problem is, you know, it could be, like, let's say you find a positive relationship between, um, you know, if you're just looking at one point in time, you find a positive relationship between someone's networking frequency and their career success. It could just be that more successful people in their career do have bigger networks, right? So it's hard to disentangle the connections and the direction of causality here. But when you do it over time, there are ways to do this a little bit better. And so this was a study that was done over three years. And uh, before we talk a little bit about some of what they found, which we'll get to in a bit, um, they have a good definition of networking, and yeah, this is I, a good definition. Yeah, so um, I think it kind of encompasses the, the broad spectrum here. So, and this is how we're going to think about it throughout the episode here today. Uh, they they say in the current research, networking is defined as behaviors that are aimed at building, maintaining, and using informal relationships that possess the potential benefit of facilitating work-related activities of individuals by voluntarily granting access to resources, and maximizing common advantages. So, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things there. I think there's this idea of these different purposes, so building, maintaining, and using informal relationships. Uh, Also, you know, this idea of it being voluntary. It's not something that's, you know, mandated by a work relationship um, or some sort of hierarchical structure. And, you know, then it's also about maximizing common advantages. Um, You know, the good networking relationships are ones in which there is mutual uh, benefit for the parties involved.
1: Right. So, so many relationships have some kind of exchange in them. We'd love, we'd love for them all to just be existentially magic.
0: You Mm -hmm. know,
1: I float into the business environment. Ta-da! here I am check out my awesome tutu and now (laughs) (laughs) now now we just magically love each other and help each other and sing kumbaya and and it's just not that way you're busy you're going somebody knocks on your door hey you got a minute you're like no no I don't have a minute (laughs) you know there's got to be some kind of exchange and this is very different than say social capital or a position within a structural hierarchy. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're the boss, you're kind of a node. And now we talk about networking as a behavior you do as a moat, you know, building, maintaining and using informal relationship. But then we also have this thing that because everybody's in social media now, we know what network effects are. And if you're like a sync key piece of node, people in hierarchical positions within organizations like bosses will tend to know more information than the line-level employee, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we're not really talking about that. Um, and, the, and then we've got these exchanges that are either high-depth or low-depth. And one of the things, so if you have a million Twitter followers, well, maybe you could reach out to them for some help. Out of a million, you might find one or two that <laughs> could throw you a bone. <laughs> but right. but they're not very deep relationships mm-hmm. versus the kind of people you've been seeing at PSYOP for the last, whatever, 15, 20 mm-hmm. years or yeah. whatever. You know, you've had time to nurture those kinds of connections.
0: Right. And, you know, this is very similar to the idea of, um, from sociology of strong versus weak ties. And, you know, a strong tie would be, and this is just an interesting concept, too, because... Um, Somewhat counterintuitive, but strong ties are, you know, those. It could be your family members. It could be um, people you've known for your entire life. Uh, and then weak ties are those ones that are people who you know somewhat professionally, who maybe you have some commonality with and have a, a working relationship, but they're not people you've known forever. Um, and what's interesting is that those weak ties are actually pretty darn important too. Right, So it might not be, you know, the million Twitter followers that are going to help you. That might be too weak. That might be too shallow of a relationship. But these weak ties are important and they do matter. Uh, and, you know, they, they oftentimes can be a way for you to uh, broaden your horizons and potentially gain some information or access to resources that are that's helpful for you, provided that you also remember that this is a social exchange. It's not just about you, uh, you know, getting stuff out of people for nothing. Um, that, that's an important right. concept here. So, um, I think or the are...
1: cynic in me always says the weak ties are important. They know you enough to want to help you, but not enough to know how screwed up you are and the risk and that help.
0: <laughs> 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 right, right. You know, I found this in, in my career though, at the various points, um, especially before I went to, into academia, you know, in looking for jobs and trying to navigate all of that, um. Sometimes it was the people who you didn't, you just knew a little bit, who were willing to, uh, who, who maybe had some some access to other resources that you didn't. You know, uh, one kind of structural reason why weak ties can be helpful versus those strong ties is that the weak ties actually connect you to other networks. So the right. strong ties are you. You all know the same people. You know, you think about your family members. It's like, well, we all kind of know the same people. Maybe your your you know uncle or your you know cousin, twice removed, whatever, might know somebody who you don't, and it's probably true, but, uh, you know, getting access to those new networks can be really helpful as well.
1: Yeah, you know, so when I was a, I started off, I was a church music minister, right, and I had a network within that music community of sacred music. Uh, Then I went to Nashville, right, and started building a professional music network, and then and it's like, okay, time to, time to put, a, put aside my wicked musical ways and um, do something else. Well, what network did I have? You mm. know, it's like, well, what do I put on my resume? Well, I know this guy. He's a pretty good bassist. <laughs> 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 and, and, and so one of the things that was really helpful was I joined the National Guard. Hmm um and i was immediately able to tap into a network of other military
0: members and right. get you know a 10% discount at home depot and <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that was a different network than you would have had if it was just in the music community
1: totally different network yep. and i went and got my masters in accounting that helps that was a totally network. different network and i plugged into um i was working in doing some commercial real estate I tapped into the Certified Commercial Investment Members Network. And so right. like immediately, because I realized I just had to put some distance if I didn't want to do music anymore. Right, And it's hard. In Nashville, it's hard mm. to get a job after you've been a musician because they're like, well, you know, I know this is a basic entry-level bo- position, but you're just going to give up in the fall and go back out touring or something, right? <laughs> Which was true, to be fair to them. That that was a common thread. Oh, yeah, I really want to launch my career as a, you know, phone by phone call center computer salesperson. And no, you didn't. You just needed some (laughs) you needed to pay rent for two months (laughs) before you went back out on the road. So um, but tapping into those networks and they can be geographic industry that that's important.
0: Right, right. And, you know, what's interesting, too, is that there's this idea of internal versus external networking. And when we say internal and external, we're talking about within an organization or within a um, typically within your organization or externally um, outside of your organization. And especially in, I would say, even smaller organizations, like once you get to about 100 people, you still got to do some make some effort to to get to know the other people in the organization. Um, but especially when you start, you know, thinking about, much larger organizations. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So the the organizations that are, you know, transnational
1: super mm-hmm. death star battleship <laughs> megas, you know, like you're, you're like, never
0: going to know everybody. Wait right? a minute.
1: You work in department seven, four, six, nine, two. Wow.
0: <laughs> right. Right. But I even think about like my experiences in, uh, in the Navy, um, you know, mm. knowing different people in different areas. I actually got a text the other day from, from some people, uh, you know, it's a little group text and it was some Navy people saying, Hey, does anybody know somebody in this part of the Navy? Right. Um, unfortunately none of us even knew what the acronym stood for, but, um, <laughs> no, no help so, there. <laughs> it's so big. There's, there's unknown alphabet soup. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, but, but sometimes those types of things do work. And, um, so, but in terms of internal networking, there's some other benefits. In ter- you know, one benefit is just, hey, like you have a problem or you need some sort of fresh perspective or something, you know, oh, you know, anybody over in this part of the organization? Great. You know, if you call them, you know, maybe they'll pick up the phone or they'll answer that email versus if they don't know you at all. That can be very, very helpful. Always be, you know, I, I think this is where your internal and your external reputation matters. You know, if you're just kind of seen as someone who, um, you know, bothers people and is kind of a taker, um, that's not, not really a good reputation to have. But it also can help in terms of um, helping with product development, with innovation. And that's where, you know, we came across an interesting study in uh, Administrative Science Quarterly uh, by Andrew Har- Hargadon and uh, Bob Sutton um, that looks at this.
1: Yeah, yeah. So these guys are looking at organizations like one of them is IDEO, mm-hmm. which does a lot of the design thinking stuff. And because they do design thinking in a variety of industries, people love that because they can bring innovation because they're like, you know, they do this in the wine industry. We could use this in the wheat industry or something. Mm. Novel new ideas that span disciplines and functions because they have that kind of cross-functionality. And that's a lot of reason why some of these big companies get a McKinsey in there. Do they want to pay the McKinsey price? No, but ain't nobody want to pay the McKinsey price. (laughs) I know (laughs) I'd love to build the McKinsey rate and, (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is, is McKinsey's under the hood of so many, well, first of all, their main competitors and there's the, some of this kinds of stuff where you have these networking is more than just, hey, help me in my individual career. Mm-hmm. Networking is also access to novel ideas that exist outside your scope, uh, information, you know, that kind of stuff. One of the things that's interesting in the Wolf and Mosier that they talk about that like some of these networking ideas can be culturally constrained. Mm-hmm. So if you live in a society where everybody's close to guaranteed a job, well, you might be more focused on internal networking with where you're going to make your stuff. But if you're in a right to work state and in the US, well, it, your network has to be cast a little bit wider just because of the environmental factors that'll make up what kind of decisions are are wise for you.
0: That's right. So we talked already a little bit about some of these benefits of networking from an internal development of, uh, you know, relationships and knowledge sharing within an organization. Uh, but let's move on now and talk a little bit more specifically about some of the outcomes of, re- of, of networking in terms of individual benefits. And, you know, one of them, going back to that study that we talked about in the beginning in the Journal of Applied Psychology, uh, you know it tends to show tends to suggest that networking is a predictor of career success. Um, at least as you, you know, define career success, maybe by your salary and other types of characteristics like that. Right. So uh, I that's mean, pretty I'm... good.
1: when you do better at your career, you tend to make a little bit of money, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe a little more money. Um, that, now that'll be industry constrained, you know, you know, sure. like, I guess, you know, Sumerian pottery experts only make so much money. Um.
0: <laughs> you know, one of these <laughs> days, you've, you've brought up Sumerian pottery a number of times in this podcast. And one of these days we're going to have a Sumerian potter, uh, you know, on here, a uh, uh, potter to help. Yeah, We'll let him that. make the business case. Why should somebody... <laughs> Study Sumerian pottery. I mean, I, I I don't know much about it, but cool. So they, you know, they
1: should because it counts. That's in right.
0: Yeah. So networking does tend to help with re- you know some of these career related outcomes. Um, it also can be a really good resource for learning. Uh, you know, in terms of your own um, development, uh, your understanding of your industry, understanding perhaps of your job function. Uh, and that can help you have some better ideas. It also can help you put together some teams to get stuff done. If you know people, um, you know, uh, that can be a really powerful way for networking to, to have a good effect.
1: Yeah. So, and this is all career satisfaction. So when you're young and you're just like, gosh, get me in a company so I can just get out of my parents' basement. (laughs) Great.
0: That's good motivation, by the way. You have a
1: low bar for career (laughs) satisfaction somewhat at that point in your life. You know, you're just getting in the game. But as you look, just think about how your career is going to span, you know, all these years. Eventually, you will retire and you'll be sitting on your porch and just wondering about the times you had during this life. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of that is, well, you made a little bit of money. Networking, having networks helps you make some money right? Learning. When we look at what people need to be challenged a little bit, some people love a big challenge, but nobody wants just the same dry stuff every day, all day with nothing changing. So one of the things is you may do the same role, but you learn and you become more of an artisan in that role. So learning. Sources of information. You know, you're you're getting new data about your industry or what it is you like to do. Maybe invent something new. You know, you were talking about generating better ideas or, you know, if you're facing something novel, like you're working at a think tank out of Boston and you need to discover how to preserve democracy in some country in the middle of nowhere. Well, you probably don't have the skill set to just do that on your own. You're just like, well, we should get a Navy guy. Well, what about this guy worked at a nonprofit? And I, you know, this guy tells me I need to be more culturally sensitive. That's country. It's not in the middle of nowhere, you know, like mm-hmm. you had all of a sudden you're like, Oh wait, I get, Oh, and you have these new ideas and you get challenged by these new ideas. Uh, that's really, really important. Um, right.
0: Yeah. And that I think that's kind of the. Um, the more real and maybe more uh, meaningful benefits that can come from networking. You know, it's not just kind of this icky thing about handing people business cards, you know, but going back perhaps to the, you know, the party, the mixer, the, uh, you know, the events where you're maybe kind of expected to go talk to people and get to know people. And I don't know, maybe, you know, find someone new and, Hand them your business card. Uh, there's some interesting research on this as well, and we we found found a cool study. Um, this is another one in the uh, the journal Administrative Science Quarterly, and this one was uh, written by two researchers from Columbia, Paul Ingram and Michael Morris, and it's called "Do People Mix at Mixers? Structure, Homophily, and the Life of the Party." Uh, so, what was this one about? This was cool. Yeah, so
1: this one was interesting, and I'll just read a little bit from the abstract. Um, so, th- or summarize a little bit from the abstract. So, they used electronic name tags um, <laughs> for a hundred business people at a mixer, and they wanted to see if individuals and and the idea is a minimally structured. You know, all right, here's there's a there's a bar at the end of the room. Do the networking thing, people. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> And so they didn't think, even though this was a business mixer with a bunch of MBA students, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. they, they have real goals of like, I'm trying to get launched in a job. I'm trying to meet people. I'm trying to build a network. They they didn't mix as much as
0: everybody thought that they would as far as making new contacts. So yeah, yeah. it's interesting. It says, uh, you know, they were much more likely to encounter their pre-mixer friends, you know, so, you know, like, and this is natural. You think about these types of things, you you oftentimes will gravitate. If you don't know anybody else and you see someone, you see a friendly face whom you do know, it's like, OK, well, I'll go talk to that person a little bit. You know, this is why oftentimes at these types of events or maybe other types of more formal events that I've gone to. Uh, in the military or other types of events, it's kind of nice to have that plus one with you. Um, although, you know, that usually means that I'll just kind of like talk to my wife the entire time. It's it's hard, right? Especially if you're a little bit introverted. Um, but, you know, what they found is that these, these people would, uh, you know, basically associate with their pre-mixer friends. And I quote from the abstract, even though they overwhelmingly stated before the event that their goal was to meet new people. So they had this goal, I want to go meet new people, they show up, and they basically meet up with everybody who they already knew. Um, But they did mix somewhat in terms of encountering some people who are different in terms of some demographics, uh, in terms of sex, race, education, and different types of jobs. Um, They didn't necessarily just uh, just go to those people who are similar to them, um, which is a, a sociological phenomenon we call homophily, where we tend to be attracted to or like to associate with people who are like us in certain ways. Um, but they did like to be around little groups of people that maybe had at least one person who was similar to them in that way. And uh, so, you know, it, it's very interesting to think about these dynamics in these types of mixers. So, you know, uh, it even though you may be going into there with the goal of meeting new people, it's not necessarily going to happen. I think you'd have to be um, probably pretty deliberate about it to actually... Maybe broaden your network a little bit more.
1: Yeah, so it you could use this stat as a two-edged sword. One, if you're an individual, just be aware of your kind of bias and leanings and start doing it. You know, deliberately breaking those and going for you know what. If I know somebody here, I'm not going to talk. Right, Mm. that kind of thing. You know, more towards that side of the spectrum. But the same thing if. And I guess we should just move into some practical steps Mm -hmm. at this point for, for if you want to use this information to enhance your career, your current job, or if you're an organization, what can you do? So first of all, if you're an organization, you you get so much benefit if the people inside your org mix and help develop people, you know, all right, you already don't want to spend the budget on learning and development, (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you can at least encourage the people that know to help bring along the people that know less right yeah,
0: yeah. Now, there's this interesting case study that i'm reminded of from um there's a book on organizational change and uh um i, I can't remember exactly which one it was from but um you know th- this idea was that uh there was an organization that was trying to go through some changes and they're trying to kind of change some aspects of their culture and get one group to talk to each other a little bit more and Coincidentally, they redesigned their, uh, their physical building uh, and it became this, um, basically there was a, a, a co-located uh, hallway that had some of the snack machines and the restrooms and other types of, um, you know, things that were common for people to use. And what they found is that people from all different parts of the organization would oftentimes encounter each other. On what they started calling the street. And that became a way for people to actually start to meet new people, to Mm -hmm. see people from other departments. And I can empathize with this actually, you know, from a physical um, distance type of perspective as well, you know, from some of my experiences when I was on active duty in the Navy, you know, when you're on a ship, it can be very easy to, you know, kind of be in your little area and not necessarily see people from other parts of the ship, like um because there it's you know there are compartments and there are passageways. And so you know the physical setup of your office could matter for some of these um, ways in which people move and so forth. Now, of course, things are a little bit different right now, perhaps, with us wanting everyone to be separate. Um, but uh, that, that's something to take into into account. You know, going back to that other that study that we're talking about with the um, the mixers and people, oftentimes, Um, sticking around or at least liking to be near their pre-mixer friends during the mixer, uh, one thing I think you can do, this is just going to the practical implications, is let's say you already have a pretty good network. You just want to go to the mixer to get a couple drinks and have a good time. You don't really care about broadening your network at this point. Maybe you're a little bit more senior. Maybe, you know, things are good for you, whatever. This is an opportunity, perhaps, for you to be helpful to someone else. Um, Maybe there are someone whom you do know, who does want to broaden his or her network. And because of, you know, our tendency to want to associate with someone, at least we know one person in the group, you know, that person walks in, go over and say, hey, you know, good to see you. Hey, come meet my my friend over here. I don't think you know this person. These are some cool people I know in this part of the organization or someone from this company and and help them that way. I think that can be a really great thing that you can do. And I think there's, you know, a little bit of an obligation that I feel as I become more senior in certain parts of my career um, to do that for other people, because others have done it for me. And I always found it. Um, I always was grateful for it when people did that, because, you know, I'm just, maybe it's going back to my personality, but I'm not of the the type that, um, you know, I don't, I don't relish the, I'll do it, but I don't relish the idea of just walking up to strangers and sticking my hand out or, or, or I guess we don't shake hands anymore, but whatever we do to say hello to people. <laughs> right.
1: Right, so and this is the idea where you can have some quality in the networking over just quantity, yeah, you know you're not going for Twitter followers here, you're trying to meet well one thing I look for I'm trying to meet people of character because mm. there's a lot of slime bags out there that don't have the same kind of values I do um so i'm I'm looking for people of the right kind of character, cool people that I enjoy that would that you know i i I don't want just to have some kind of surface exchange, although that can be okay. I, I really want to meet cool people to go down the road of life with. But when we looked at that data from the mixer, well, the unstructured events is not the best way forward if you really want to get people networking and that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. meetings. So this is where you can have a structured event versus unstructured. So um, you know, startups like a lot of a lot of Municipalities or regions will have uh, accelerator programs for new businesses where they can in- uh, introduce venture capital to people that need funding. Lots of those events have a host. So, th- yeah. and that host kind of knows, oh, you know what? This person likes early round tech type things. Hmm. These guys are early round tech. Or, oh, hi. Oh, you're a healthcare person. Yeah, don't talk to early round tech guy. He's not a healthcare startup type person. You want to talk to Fred. He likes health. That kind of curation is really cool. Speed dating type things can be another thing. And, you mm-hmm. know, Ben, you brought up, oh, being more senior, structural power, that kind of authority. Well, we've got some data that shows that junior people oftentimes don't feel like they have a whole lot to offer. Yeah. Yeah. And I I want to say, well, yeah, if you're a mindless numbskull or you're not being deliberate, you might not have something to say, right? <laughs> but, you know, we have these kinds of things where we were pairing executives up with junior people. Like back when the internet came out, you know, it was like, and now uh, elder executive, meet your computer millennial or whatever they were derogatory <laughs> term for whippersnapper they were using at the time. And it's like, he's going to show you how to check your email, you know, (laughs) And, and, And but you could have something. so, you know, maybe some of the more senior people don't know how junior people are perceiving the industry or opportunities in the industry. You've got a unique perspective that you can bring to somebody senior. So if you're sitting around and you're like the most junior guy and there's a pause in the conversation, hey, did you? Did you check out that we're having a hard time recruiting based on this? You know, some of the conversations I'm having with my peers say that it's not what the articles are saying. It's that we don't have learning and development opportunities or or whatever that is. You, you got some good stuff and people say, you know, this person's junior, doesn't know a lot about this industry and their field yet, but they're awake and they're paying right.
0: attention, you know? Right, right. You know, what I found and, you know, in my own career, uh, you know, to be a very useful way to, um, to network is through professional organizations. So I already mentioned one earlier, but there are many other types of professional organizations that, uh, anyone, you know, if you're in some sort of business function, you can join SHRM, NAMA. You know, the, the
1: Society of uh, CPAs, uh, PM, the PMI, Project Management
0: Institute or,
1: right. know, for Project Managers.
0: So there's and, tons of these. And I think one of the best ways within those organizations to network is not through just going around and trying to meet different people, although that's fine. I think another way is through volunteering within that organization. So, you know, this is an opportunity, you know, and they're always looking for volunteers, uh, you know, different committees. Um, These are oftentimes nonprofits or they are just some sort of, um, you know, association of people trying to do something cool together. And so they're looking for volunteer horsepower. Um, And if you can work with some, uh, some people on a committee or, you know, raise your hand and say, hey, I'll take that task. I'll help out here or there. Um, that is an opportunity to, because you're going to need to probably interact with other people as you do that little role, that little job. It doesn't have to be a huge thing, uh, but that's going to give you exposure to new people. And they're going to start to see whether or not you're a competent person. Does does this person respond to emails and phone calls? Uh, Do they do decent work? Are they useful? (laughs) Do they learn things? Are they a good communicator? All of those types of aspects of kind of who you are can start to become more of a known quantity, and you can start to build a positive reputation for yourself through those actual experiences of of helping an organization do something. So I think that could be a really um, great way to network. And, you know, this is is kind of playing the long game. Um, This is saying, look, I'm not just trying to make a bunch of superficial connections. I want to build a reputation that I can be proud of, and I want to do good work um, you know, if you always are doing good work, it's not the case that people are always going to notice. There are going to be lots of times that you're doing great work. And this is stuff I tell the early career people who are just like, I want to get promoted. I did. I'm like, no matter what, keep doing your best work. Um, what what else do you have? You numbskull, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's like,
1: I want my, this is the equivalent of, I want my career to go viral. I want to have a hit video that takes me to the top. No work required. Right. And that, that's baloney, my friend.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the best phrases that I like, and there's different variations of it, is something like, you know, after 10 years, I was an overnight success.
1: Yeah. You know, know? they'll talk about the gazelle companies, you know, it's like, oh man, this company just added cash after cash year over. And it took them like 10, 20 years to get to that place where
0: they're ready to grow at that speed. Most people don't realize that, you know, the average age of a successful entrepreneur is 45. Yeah, It's it's not someone who's, you know, you know, just in their mom's and and senior people see through this. So Mm -hmm. youngsters,
1: if you're out there listening, right. Ah, yeah. You may want this heck. Take a few swings at going viral, whatever yeah. that means. <laughs> but but you better have that long-term chug-a-lug approach to getting getting your career where you yeah. want to go. It's about building broad relationships. All that these relationships are awesome because when right. you get older, you'll remember, hey man, remember when we were 20, just starting as accountants? Mm-hmm. God, those hours. Oh, and, and now we're in our 30s. Oh, we've got some kids now, maybe
0: or, you know, a cool dogs uh, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and you never know who may actually be watching, Who is may eventually notice your hard work and your abilities and so forth. And your reputation does follow you. You know, one thing I often tell uh, my students who are getting their MBAs is I say, look, you know, this networking thing, uh, well, I got kind of talked about some of the stuff we've already talked about here in the episode. But then I say, look, you know, look to your right and your left, look around you this is part of your network. And, you know, the people you talk with and the people you meet as you go through this educational experience is very important. And so if you're, you know, (laughs) I don't want to, you know, imagine you're 10 years out from your, your MBA and, and somebody contacts you and says, Hey, uh, you know, can you help me with this or, or whatever? And, uh, you're like, yeah, I was on a group project with that jack wagon. I, no yeah, way. You, you know who doesn't do the work. <laughs> Same thing in the
1: army. I, I remember working with that guy. That guy was lazy as crap. Um, <laughs> when I got out of grad school, so you get a master's in accounting. When I went into my master's, if you had a magazine on accounting in your car, you could get a job in accounting, <laughs> right? I mean, it was just like full employment. employment. Uh, Sarbanes-Oxley compliance was going full throttle. They just could not get enough people. I come out, socks compliance is rolled off and there is like no jobs, none. And and we're all just basically sitting around over like Jim beam and a campfire in my backyard, just crying. All of us like, what (laughs) What are we going to (laughs) do? I remember looking at my wife and uh, this was a low point pin. This was one of the lowest points of my life, which thank goodness, uh, it had. I haven't had much lower than this, right? Um, but I just look. You know, I may have wasted you know fifty, sixty thousand dollars, and we don't have a BMW in the in the freaking driveway.
0: Yeah. Well, you, I, not, you didn't even have a BMW. You didn't have a job. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, it, but that's what I'm saying. Like right. I spent all this money for nothing. But yep, yep. you know that coming together and staying connected during that hard time. Um. Uh. One of my buddies, Chris, started a company. And uh, it's continuing to grow and do well. Um, my friend N, um, she is doing really cool, like IT auditing. You know, she did not necessarily think she would go into auditing banks for their security measures and stuff. And she's brilliant. And I, I've, I've done a deal. So one of our clients, she's helped out get, uh, get her, get his IT security squared away. And like I, I'm already doing deals with people that I just knew had high character and quality Mm -hmm. in grad school. And we pulled together through this, but I remember some of those projects. Like I will not talk. I would not pick up the phone for some of those people that ghosted and Hey, you get a group grade. Yeah. And I did all the work and it's like,
0: no way. Right. Yeah. Well, so what you're speaking to is that your reputation does follow you. And uh, you know, it's funny. You you said that you wouldn't pick up the phone for some, some, of those people. Uh, I actually got contacted the other day by somebody who I worked with. Um, she actually worked for me in my military role um, a number of years ago. And I mean, she's phenomenal. So I, do I respond? And she reached out and said, hey, could you be great to chat about stuff? Yeah, I responded very quickly. Of course, I'd, I'd be happy to, right? Because I it gives me personal joy and satisfaction to see this person thrive, right? So, um, and, and I know that it's not going to be time that's wasted, uh you know this is a person who has a lot to offer the world so uh be that person develop that reputation play the long game here yeah and and don't think of it as a game think of it as being a great. Yeah. a real
1: live breathing with a heart human being here mm-hmm. this is about being a quality human um stop the transactional thinking and that that it's about transaction it's about connection it's about people good people helping good people. Um, And,
0: you know, don't do this crap on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, hi, I saw, I mean. I uh, I see it frequently. Like I'll get a connection request from someone and I can just tell like by something about, you know, maybe their industry, maybe they're something they have in the kind of their headline or whatever. I'm just like, if I accept this connection, First of all, you know, people have different kind of rules of thumb around, I don't accept connections from people I don't actually know, or maybe it's people I need to know a little bit, whatever. But let's say it's someone, they they reach out to you, they try to connect. You know, I just know a lot of times that if I connect with that person, they're going to be of the type that, you know, probably the next day, they're going to send me a direct message trying to sell me something or, hey, I'd like to have a conversation about your, your, your needs in this area for whatever. And I'm like, no, no. So don't be that person if you, you know, it's OK to use LinkedIn, even try to reach out to people who may be a connection of a connection, those types of, of tactics. That's fine. Uh, but make sure that you're building that relationship and, uh, before and, and at least have been a connection for a while before you start to sell people things. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll it's, get it. it's just gross.: No hey, one I liked it. I saw X,Y,Z in your profile,
1: and I thought we should connect. Yeah, And I'll even message it back. Sounds good. Why should we connect? (laughs) And then nothing. (laughs) They're done. It's just like, whatever. You just wanted to be able to troll my contacts. And and then then that's lame. Um, (laughs) So one of the things that if you can't find a job or if you're trying to expand your network, if you're trying to grow, nonprofits can help. So people that sit and we've helped lots of nonprofits. It's a great time. It's fulfilling work. Um, so, which is great, but the people that sit on the boards of directors of these nonprofits are generally senior, well-connected people within the community. Yeah. So if you get in and volunteer and kill it on a project, good communication, good presentation, good data, they're like, oh my God, somebody get this person in someplace that's good. Yeah. So it's like the nonprofits,
0: not only do they need your help, but they can help you. I mean, it. Yeah. I mean and and you you yeah, th- I think that's very well said and you know, I've I've been on the the board of a nonprofit now for a while and it's been fantastic just personally getting to know some amazing people. Uh, and you know, I think from the volunteer perspective, let's say you have an amazing volunteer um who, you know, does great work with your organization for a while, depending on who the person is and, you know, their interest and their skills, um you may as a board actually consider that person as a board member. And that's kind of another way to demonstrate your competence and so forth. And if it's a mission that you care about, uh, you know, then that's even better, right? Because then you're doing good work for the world. Uh, so nonprofits need your help. You can go out there and, and really get to know some good people. And, you know, if it's a nonprofit that is so nonprofits by law in the United States have to be, um, aligned with some sort of mission. Right. And, um, They you know, if you if you identify with that mission, if it's something you care about, guess what? The other volunteers, the other people involved with that organization, chances are they care about that thing, too. So you're already having this one thing in common um, that could be a very deep and meaningful thing for you. Uh, perhaps speaking to those bigger issues of values and character. So I think that's a fantastic suggestion. Um, You know, nonprofits are fantastic ways to to get to know people and to do good in the world. Awesome. So,
1: you know, play the long game, be a real human being, not some kind of soul-sucking, numbskull, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, these should be obvious, but they're not because, and we've got to talk about it. Cause it's, it's right. just not there. What are the practical steps? So now let's talk about COVID for a little minute,
0: mm.
1: right? How, how, I'm at home behind a screen. How do I meet and network with people? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I, so there is, that is a bit challenging, but you know, the, I, I think because we have good, um, social networking types of technologies like LinkedIn, and we have uh, the ability to meet people um, via, uh, you know, video conferencing and so forth, it still can happen. And, you know, it just might take a little bit more uh, ingenuity on your part, maybe take a little bit more um, proactive reaching out, but it definitely can happen. I, in fact, I had conversations with two different people last week, um, just because someone, one of them, uh, someone had recommended to me, said, hey, this would be a great person to know based upon your shared experiences here and there. Um, you guys could talk. We did; it was fantastic. Another one actually reached out to me via LinkedIn, and said, "Hey, I, you know, this person, we have this in common. Um, I have this. You know, I, I'm really curious to know a little bit more about how you ended up in your your career." And it, so it wasn't one of these kind of like asking things. It was it was a really wonderful conversation, and a good good way to connect. Uh, so it definitely can happen. Technology can help. Obviously, if you're meeting people in person, you know, don't 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 go out there and shake their hand. Um, you know, maybe, maybe shaking hands will kind of permanently go away. I don't know. <laughs> we'll right. see, Right. <laughs>
1: I call it the COVID chicken wing. You know, you do the little elbow
0: bump. elbow bump. <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose that's, that's one way. I th- I think you probably still have to be within six feet of people unless. No, you no, two. no. It's, it's a six
1: foot away. Oh, I guess it's not distance. a bump. Yeah yeah, oh. yeah.
0: yeah. So it's just kind of, you act like you're bumping, but you're actually, there's distance between your, uh. Uh, elbows. Yeah. So that could work. Um, I mean, you could do a bow, whatever you do. I mean, there's some great things we could probably use from some other cultures here. Namaste
1: or whatever yeah, those yoga Right.
0: Yeah. So that, that's great. Um, you know, so those are some things that you want to think about during COVID. I think the other principles that we've talked about here still apply in terms of um, being genuine, trying to add value, uh, doing good work, being meaningful in those relationships that you're trying to build. Yeah, and you gotta be pragmatic,
1: right? So if you're in the bicycle industry, well, you might be able to move up right now. There's such a <laughs> yeah. demand for bicycles. You, you go right? try to find a bicycle right now, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, it you know, so those sectors, you know, Amazon execs might be able to claw a promotion or two out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're in the food industry and the restaurants are closed or down capacity where you're at, well, then you got to be a little bit more pragmatic. But that might be where you can start networking with the people who've also been maybe laid off. Hey, what are you hearing out there? Mm -hmm. This is a great time to build. Because one of the things is everybody talks about, I know who my real friends are during adversity. Mm. And during this time of adversity, this is a time to find out who the people of character are in your life and deepen your relationship through shared travail here, right? Right. And 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 that's something. And if you're somebody that has maybe a stable job, this is a time and it it can be exhausting, but totally worth it to reach out and help be the
0: strength the person to your left and right needs during this challenging time. That's right. So today in the episode, we talked about this whole idea of networking, you know, loving it or leaving it. And I think uh, there's, there's a lot to be loved there, you, but you got to do it carefully. And we talked about what networking actually is, some forms it can take, and some of the research around networking. It certainly seems to suggest that it's helpful when it's done in a genuine and meaningful way. And we talked about some practical steps for enhancing your career and using networking as a way to broaden your network to or or to broaden your connections and to uh, broaden your skills. Uh, And then we talked a little bit about trying to do this during COVID. I think the similar principles apply. You just might need to have a little bit more intentionality and care as you're going through it. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.